to overcome the attachment to experiences in this, of this life, the experiential nature, thrill seekers that you are, is impermanence. However, to overcome attachment to your sense of trying to be happy in life, and you meditate on the shortcomings of some sort, experiences that you have versus an overall sense of just finding happiness in this life. So that's meditating on samsara shortcomings. And uh, we did that by studying suffering, unsatisfactoriness of samsara. And the second part of that, same subject, is the meditation on karma, meditation on cause and effect. So this is all by way of overcoming attachment to worldly being, well-being. The next chapter after that moves on to meditation on love and compassion, which overcomes attachment to the well-being of peace. In other words, trying to just be content versus trying to be happy. So, meditation on karma, cause and effect. So, someone wondering what causes the above-mentioned sufferings. If you're wondering how you ended up there, they should realize is that it arises from your tainted activity karma. Tainted uh, generally means bad, unwholesome, unvirtuous. Uh-huh. But it also applies to virtuous, non-virtuous, and meditation activity. Tainted because it's still rooted in clinging and attachment. So being attached to your meditation, clinging to meditation, is also tainted. Tainted by ignorance and its consequences. So dualism, duplicity, ego delusion will eventually create an unhappy result according to the nature of the act. Untainted action transcends the triplicity, triplicity, which is without concept of subject, action, or object. So in order to be untainted, you have to transcend both the action and the, the object and the concept, the idea. Untainted doesn't belong to the world of cause and effect because you've transcended object. Whereas tainted does because it belongs to the world of cause and effect because it's rooted in attachment to the object. So insofar as there's attachment, it's going to be tainted. Insofar as you do action in the pursuit of uh, happiness or in the pursuit of pleasure or in the pursuit of peace, it's going to be tainted. Insofar as your action is untainted, it is free from the object. There's no concept. Buddhists don't move from concepts. They don't move from objects and they don't move from actions. It's spontaneous appearance, a rainbow in the sky perhaps. Well, I guess that's not spontaneous. Anyway, spontaneous like a pink elephant on a yellow horse. Just out of nowhere it comes and out of nowhere it goes. You, on the other hand, are trying to maintain some sort of thread, uh, some kind of continuity in the experience. Question. Yes? Um, if a Buddha goes to work, um, uh, he'll get a paycheck. So um, how is that separate from that sort of cause and effect? How is that separate from... Well, that's, that's their paycheck. That's not the Buddha's paycheck. The Buddha doesn't get a paycheck. He's not working for a paycheck. He's not even working. So that's how it's experienced by the Buddha, that it's not cause and effect. Yeah, it's just a pure experience. There's no line of succession. There's no cause and effect action. Cause and effect may be that fact that he's going there, somebody gives you money. That may be in their minds, but it's not in his or hers. It may happen. He may know it's going to happen. He may be fully cognizant of the fact that it's going to happen, but in his consciousness, there's no such connection. 
In a Buddha's mind, there's no connection between this and this. Because this never happened and neither did that. Because if you get inside this, if you get right inside that, there's no sound. Yeah, he can hear it. You having a hard time with this one? Just speed up your mind and slow down your body. Fundamentally, if you understand the nature of emptiness, it's within every experience. It's within every sense door. So in that sense, you refer back to the Prajna Paramita where it says there is no eye, there is no ear, there is no sound, there is no sense organ. Right? These are all concepts and ideas that you use to elaborate on and hold the thread of continuity together in your mind. But in the Buddha's consciousness, each arising in the moment of time, incredibly short period of time, is empty by its own nature. He's not oblivious to the law of cause and effect from a point of view of the relative truth. But from the point of view of absolute truth, there is no law of cause and effect. One thing doesn't cause another from the absolute point of view. From the relative point of view, they do. Suffering comes when you live in the relative world of cause and effect and then attach to it or have aversion towards based on your predominance's preferences. Understand? Tainted has to do with clinging. Tainted has to do with separating one moment in time from another moment in time and linking them together. You're the linker. You link this moment to that moment. That's how you say there's this moment and that moment. To a Buddha, there is no this moment and there is no that moment because there's no linkage. It's one universe happening simultaneously, instantaneously, in its totality, from beginningless time backwards to endless time forwards, through every century, there is no such thing as time and space in Buddha consciousness. There's only time and space in relative consciousness, based on the karmic propensities of slowing things down. So there seems like there's a connection between this and that. Only Buddhas can dwell in fully untainted consciousness. There's relatively untainted. There are moments uh, there's moments of untainted. That doesn't mean you're not cognizant, by the way. You're fully cognizant. Anybody else? So what's the difference between being fully cognizant and Clinging and ignorance. What can I say? It's a hard one to get across. The minute you show up to make a measurement, you're in relative truth. You're having a bit of under trouble understanding this? Yeah? Yeah, it's because you can't understand it. You are the problem. The understanding is clear. You trying to understand it is the problem. You're trying to understand absolute truth from the position of relative truth, your measurement system. Karma often appears in a fuller form in the Tibetan, which means action in terms of both cause and effect. So if you throw garbage in your neighbor's yard and three years from now, he drives on your flower bed, it's one karma, regardless of how separate it is in time. You may live for years and years and years before certain actions ripen in terms of the karma. In other words, you might get away with it for a very long time. But eventually, that karma will ripen. It has to. It's the nature of its cause, must fulfill its effect. But, on the other hand, they say karma is instantaneous. Because... Even though the fruit of the karma might not ripen for five or ten years, the fact that you initiated it is already ripening it like an apple tree, right? The fruit is already there. It's just not yet shown up in time. 
So the measurement of time and space is measured from your lifetime. You measure time and space from when you were born to when you died. But if you had access to Bardo consciousness on the meditative plane, you would see that there is no dividing line between this lifetime and last lifetime and the next lifetime. It's arbitrary. Any more than you divide, you divide the day into today and tomorrow, yes? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You see them as three separate days because in between there's a change that you hallmark as the dividing line. So yesterday was when you were awake, and then there was sleep, and then there's today, and then there's sleep, and then there's tomorrow. So you use that sleep as a measuring tape, as a ruler, and with that ruler you mark time. And so when we talk about tainted and untainted, for a Buddha there's no time. There's no yesterday, today, and tomorrow for a Buddha. There's no previous lifetime, this lifetime. It's all one lifetime. Every being, past, present, and future, dwells in this moment now. The idea that there's a separation is in your ego consciousness. Okay, so if time is your measuring device for duration, what's your measuring time for space? Your body. So the body's here and then the body's there. It's different spaces. No, it's one universe. <laughs> your body hasn't moved through space. Your ego's moved through space and called it a body. From a relative point of view, we can dig it. We know where you're coming from. Right? We can follow your logic. It's really, really simple. But from the point of view of the Buddha, there's no one, there's no body. It's all one body. It just is. From the point of view of an individual bamboo, there are different bamboos. But from the point of view of bamboo, it's all one plant. From the point of view of the Buddha, it's all one body. The horses, the dogs, the cows, the giraffes, the cockroaches, the rats, the swine flu, it's all one body, untainted. Untainted because there's no separation. There's no demarcation between good and bad. There's no demarcation between wholesome and unwholesome. That's relatively true for the ego trying to cling. Does that make any sense? Anyway, actions themselves of various kinds have created beings in all their variety. So we talk in, in these terms in order for you to loosen up on your idea of who you are. You loosen up on the idea of your body. You loosen up on your idea of time. You loosen up on your idea of what you like and what you don't, where you're going, what you're doing, your future, your past, your present. Tainted quickly dissolves. If you see working in your studio as the same thing as shoveling shit in Bhutan, it's all the same thing. The fact that suffering exists is because you cling to one and you have aversion to the others. And then you perpetuate that onto everybody else. One minute you're the victim, the next minute you're the perpetrator. So the worlds have been made by actions. Their manifestation is due to actions. Sentient beings have been created by actions, have their cause in actions, and owe their differences to actions. Karma. What is action? Okay, here we go. What is karma? What is action? Mental activity. Your mind starts it going, doesn't it? I will go to Japan. I am going to marry Harry. I am going to have a sex change operation. I am going to become rich. I am going to have four babies. I'm going to grow my hair. I'm going to cut my hair. I don't have any hair. <laughs> I'm straight. I'm gay. Whatever. It's all just arbitrary ways of getting an identity. Just arbitrary ways of getting attention. There's no such thing. It's all created activity. Create sex to create an ego. Create preferences to create an ego. Create actions to create an ego. Oh, it's inevitable. right? The universe is acting. It's acting as a totality. It's one action, one big bubble. All right. Mental activity, mentally motivated action. 
Action is intention. And what is done because of that? You have an intention. That's a mental activity. And from that intention, you get a baby. You intended to have sex. You didn't intend to have a baby. But that's because you don't understand karma. <laughs> we didn't think she'd get pregnant. Really? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> we thought it was not her time. The universe is bigger than your ego, you know what I mean? Some scientist says, Oh, you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant. And you go believe him. And the universe is saying, Make babies. Yeah. I created human beings to make babies. Lots of them. Nature is exuberant, you know? It likes overdoing it. Right? Unlike you. <laughs> Nature likes to produce billions and billions of everything. Because most of them are going to get eaten by the other things that it produces. So, if you want to look at God as terribly malevolent, just say that he created you to be eaten by tigers. And he created tigers to be eaten by bacteria. And he created bacteria to be eaten by frogs. And he created frogs to be eaten by cats. And he created cats to be eaten by humans. And he just created everything to eat everything. She. That's what the universe is. It's a creation. It's an idea. The universe is an idea. It's a concept. Brought into being to wake itself up. Fascinating. How do you wake yourself up? You wake yourself up in the morning? How many people wake themselves up in the morning? What do you use? An alarm? How many need it? Don't you just kind of wake up? Because, you say, oh, I'm going to wake up at 6, and you wake up at 2 minutes to 6? How do you know to wake up at two minutes to six if you're sound asleep? Well, my internal clock. But who set your internal clock? Did you kind of a little dial in there? <laughs> you set your internal clock. Your intention set an internal clock that you have absolutely no control over. And yet it works. And you say you don't understand untainted karma. Yet you live by it. Your whole life is lived on the basis of untainted consciousness and yet you take ownership for it like you make your heart work and you make your kidneys work and you make your liver work and, you know you make your uh, bladder work and it's you're all in there just running it all day long can you imagine how much you'd get done if you had to regulate just your body let alone your eyes and your ears and your nose so action is intention so be very careful about this there's no thing that you do at any moment ever that isn't intended Every single thing you do is intended, whether you acknowledge the intention or not. If you mindlessly run into a wall, you intended that by not paying attention to the wall. You were intending to do that. So the nature of karma is to see the result of actions. If you're walking towards this way, right, and you get hit by a car going this way, your intention was so focused on that that you missed this. So the general rule is if you're going to be really absorbed, sit still. For more information, please visit clearskycenter.org. That's C-L-E-A-R-S-K-Y-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org. Thank you.